Good Tuesday evening to all. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed podcast. We're going to have a wonderful conversation this evening and looking forward to where y'all will take our conversation, where they want this to go. Me and Phil will be right back with you in just a few moments here. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Phil, good evening. How you doing? Doing well. Had a good day. I did as well. And uh, as the Word of God teaches and how we've been taught that good is functional, so hope everybody had a functional day that went through your day and as everybody's day is everybody has challenges and different things to deal with and you know just looking at the things that we bring out the truth of God in these podcasts will be a help a benefit to those that apply them and seek out with all their heart this where we're going to start this evening and you know as always we'll just see where Yah takes us is I had this come to mind later last night and and was thinking about a situation for myself in my workplace. And interesting how a mother will work something, an idea will come to your mind, and this goes along with the teaching of Yah and and what Yah does and who they are. And we were talking about recently in our gathering about self-control and in faith that we are being taught on how to control ourselves by controlling what we put in our mind because what we put in will go into the lower conscience and be our very being. And it's to be careful to make sure that you understand what you're putting in because what you put in will ultimately be what you do and what you practice. And I was thinking about with my work, I work in insurance and I found myself having moments of frustration and things come up and just really thinking about what did I actually agree to when I started this job? And a lot of people, those of you out there that whatever occupation you're in, um, and specifically teachers will have a contract that they have to sign in the school system. And a lot of places you may not have a, a written thing with everything that you do, all your duties, but you'll have something that you'll sign that you agree to when you fill out the application that you agree to work for whatever terms are there from the employer that the employer sets the terms and um one of my teammates where I work is actually leaving for another position within the company so they're looking to fill that job so they had it actually posted the job that I'm doing was actually um what he was doing so that job is up for for hire <clears throat> and I looked at it and I thought well this is a good opportunity to actually read the guidelines of what I'm actually doing And the reason it came to mind for me to read that was because 
what I'm entitled to is what I've agreed upon. And in this world, there'll be times where we think that we're entitled to something. And ultimately, the entitlement will rest with the person that is the giver of whatever stipulation it is that in order for you to be entitled to something, you actually have to agree to do that thing. And then if you agree to it, then you're entitled to whatever benefit is there, be pay or benefits. So I thought, well, from the word of God's perspective, that be careful to count the cost in what you go into and what you agree to, because it certainly will be demanded of you. Even the word of God says that be very careful when you make a vow before Yah, because they will surely demand it of you because you vowed something and made it clear what you were going to do. So therefore you entitle Yah to demand that of you, whatever you said you're going to do. So I thought of this is going to be beneficial to me because I'm going to make sure that I'm in agreement with all these things, because if I am, then I'm not going to complain about these things that I've agreed to. If I'm going to complain about it, then I need to be figuring out either one, going to the manager supervisor and looking to do something else or negotiate or do something else because there's no place for complaining in faith in Yah that we're told to do everything without complaining and murmuring. As a child of God, you're called to not complain. So it was, and it's interesting, I asked my manager today and she's looking into going back and looking at when they posted the job to bring that to my attention. I just told her I want to read it to make sure that I'm because I'm agreeing to work for where I'm working and I just want to read through just to make sure that, okay, now I did realize that is what I've agreed to. So, you know, I'm there, there's no, I'm not going to complain about it anymore because I agree with it. But with that, with what we're going to be bringing out, getting into is, do you ever think about your faith? Do you think about your faith walk with Yah as you being in covenant with them? And that's what came to me last night. I just started thinking about the word covenant. And this is something that's, there's many covenants that Yah has made with people. And the ones that came to mind were the ones that people are most familiar with being the old covenant and the new covenant. And there's others like it's referred to as the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, any covenant that Yah has made with someone else. And I was really thinking about the word covenant, which covenant is an agreement. And I made an agreement with my employer and the agreement is not one-sided. The agreement is two-sided that the employer has agreed to hire me because of these terms that they have set. And I agree to follow along with those terms that have been set. And it's the same thing with Yah, that when Yah makes a covenant with somebody, they're making a covenant with them, an agreement that there's stipulations, there's things that are going to be done on both sides. It's not just, all right, a covenant is made with you, and then I do nothing, and you do everything, or you do everything, and I do nothing. And a lot of this gets reversed, where, well, God has done everything. Jesus died on the cross. They've done everything, and all I do is accept. Well, in a covenant... It's supposed to be a covenant relationship where each side brings something to the other. And it made me think of in the Old Testament that Yah came to the Israelites and said, you know, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then you will be my people. You'll be a kingdom of priests and, you know, you'll be a holy nation. 
And Yah was, okay, well, the terms of the covenant are obedience to me fully. And then for you, you, what you're entitled to is to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation and to take my truth out to the world. And they didn't necessarily take it very seriously. Well, they thought they did. Well, every, yeah, everything that you say, we will do it. Okay. But then because they're human, they broke the covenant. And yeah, in their, their um, eternal wisdom, knowing that mankind um, is corruptible, that, okay, well, what is a way for me to have a covenant that we can have a covenant forever that both sides will be able to keep their part of it? And then bringing in Yeshua, um, you know, bringing in the, the aspect of an eternal covenant. So it just made me think out, made me think to bring this out of the fact of look at your faith as you walking in agreement, you walking in covenant with Yah and making sure that you're fulfilling your terms of this covenant because it's very clear that a covenant is a serious matter. It's, it's not something to take lightly. Yah doesn't take it lightly that I'm coming to you with these terms that what I'm desiring is to you to obey me. And when you do that, you will benefit from it. It will be the absolute best thing for you. It's not about just accepting my son and then we're in covenant. No, it's about understand what I'm expecting of you and walk in it the best you can, because we have, we may not refer to it as a covenant, but we have covenants in the world. We have, I would say the majority of people listening more than likely have a cell phone. Well, you have a cell phone contract with a company that there's a contract of terms that if you want to have this phone and you want to have this phone service, that you must agree to the terms. Now you may not understand all the terms, that they'll give you a broad overview of, of the terms, but how many times have we said you'll have this contract and, well, did you read it? Well, I don't, I don't know if I need to read everything. You know, I got the gist of it. Well, it would behoove you to go and read the whole thing because when you sign your name to it, then you're saying you agree with everything that's in here, even if you don't necessarily agree with it because you didn't read it. But when you put your name on it and you agree to it fully, then that's the sign that, okay, we're in an agreement together and there's going to be consequences if you keep it and there's going to be consequences if you break it. And I'm not taking away mercy, you know, like to where you, let's just say we're talking about the phone contract, that something happens you didn't understand. Okay, well, you know what? I'll have some mercy here. I'll give you this or that. And because I have the um, authority to do that and y'all has mercy as well. And, and, and matters, but it just made me think of, are you thinking about your relationship with God as a covenant? Because Messiah himself said in regards to the new covenant, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. And a covenant was not put into establishment without blood. Blood was necessary for a covenant to come into being. So the shedding of blood was necessary. And you think of blood as we just had in our last podcast, that the life of Messiah is drinking his blood, so you must live my life. You must be willing to give your very life as you're part of the covenant agreement that you're willing to, you know, Yah is willing to give their blood, their son, and you're willing to give yours, your very life, in order to be in an everlasting covenant. 
in the new covenant in Yeshua. And this is just an interesting concept to me because it, it takes into account that you have responsibilities that you go into this. That's why Messiah said, count the cost before you come into it, because this covenant that you come into with God is there are things that are requirements, but ultimately it's to transform into something you really want to do to where it's what you want. But this isn't obeying God is not something to go into lightly, really understand what you're agreeing to. And, you know, Yah is giving their very best and make sure that you're giving your very best. And there's just just so many aspects in the world that with contracts, you know, agreements with people that would you go into an agreement with somebody that you don't trust? People would say, no, no, I would never do that. Yeah, be careful who you make agreements with because you go into an agreement with somebody and you don't understand the terms, you don't understand it, you can get into some really unfortunate situations. Well, you didn't read the contract, so that that's not my problem. You know, you didn't fulfill your end of it, so sorry for your luck. You know, you, you didn't do it. And Yah in their word has made it clear what the stipulations are. And if we don't understand the stipulations, that's not Yah's problem. It's our problem. I mean, if you're told, well, you just accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and you're in the new covenant and it's all done and you're saved. And yeah, but if you don't understand what a covenant is and what the purpose of what it means, um, what Messiah was doing, then you can think that you're involved in something, but you have no understanding of what the covenant actually is. And if you don't understand it, then how can you really be a part of it and walk in it? So this was just something that was on my mind that's important that there could be many people out there that you've heard the the term covenant, but you just assume that, well, covenant is something in the Old Testament. That's not something that, you know, Yah does anymore or people do anymore because that's that's the old way. And no, Yah is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they want to have covenant relationship with their people. And the the covenant is is clear on Yah's side that there are blessings for obedience and there are curses for disobedience and you must walk through the old covenant. And if you want to have the fullness of faith, you must be in the new covenant. So um, these are the things we're going to be getting into tonight and we'll just see where it goes. And Phil, that's what I had for the moment. Anything going through your mind on this topic of covenant? Uh, only a thousand different a things. thousand different things. <laughs> or the one that's at the top of your mind right now. Well, I'm just going to speak what's what's on my mind. And a covenant and a contract are the same but different. And just getting information from mother as we're as you were speaking and thinking about it. A contract is the stipulations of what's expected and from both sides, you know, if you do this, you know, you do this, then this is how much you get paid. This is what's in your job description. And so the, the contract is the stipulations. It becomes a covenant when you sign because you sign yeah, it's still a contract, but it becomes a covenant because now 
you signed it, which means you say, I agree. And so your agreement with it, your signing it, turns it into a covenant because covenant means agreement. And when we look at the old covenant, it's the old agreement. And then the new covenant is the new agreement. You have the old agreement that must be followed until you get to a place of the new agreement. If you don't agree with God from the Old Testament perspective, then you cannot have the new covenant. It's a fact that because why is it called a new covenant? Because it's transforming you from the old covenant. But if you've never followed the old covenant, you've never agreed to the old covenant, then you're not going to have the new covenant. It's an impossibility. And like you said, this goes back to when we talked about the fact that you've got to go to Abba first, and Abba is one of the first covenant, and then Messiah brings the second covenant. And that was set in place from the creation, so they didn't change their mind, but it was set that there was going to be a covenant agreement change at the point of the fullness of faith, circumcision of the heart in Messiah, then you get that uh, the ability to have the contract, but then to agree your, your pledge with good knowledge that it speaks about in Peter. You know, it's not the cleansing of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience. That's your vow with good knowledge to God that I agree with you 100%. And that doesn't mean, like you said, you don't have to understand every single piece. But when Yah brings it to you and says, hey, um, you didn't, you missed this part that's in the contract. And so we're going to go over that again, just so you know. I uh, And, you know, there's no consequence right now because you truly, you didn't know. And so, but from now on, since it's been brought to your attention, if you do this again, then there's going to be a consequence. And if you continue to do it, then there's going to be, we're going to have a breach of contract. And when you have that breach of contract, then you're going to pay the penalty for that. And so as we look at it, we have to understand that the Old Testament and the New Testament, or the, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, are contracts that turn into covenants when you fully agree and if you fully agree with the new covenant, you, you will have had to come from the old covenant because that's why we're stuck in a world where people are claiming to have faith in God and sinning, professing their, their vow is, I'm committed to, to Messiah or I'm committed to this Jesus but you still sin, and the contract says in him there is no sin. And you, but you would know that if you walked the first covenant in the recognition of your sin, but still striving and, and you're walking in the covenant agreement of the first, which is I'm going to walk in full obedience to what the old covenant said until... God guides me to the place where I can receive the new covenant. But you have to have 
the old first, and then you have to have the new, but you can only do that if you've had the original covenant agreement with God. And that's why, you know, we sit in a world where people are saying that, that they've professed that they've given their life to God, but yet they, they walk in darkness. They don't walk in the light. If they walked in the light, they would not sin at all. And you're just using Messiah as your scapegoat to, yeah, well, he died, and when he died, he took away my sin. No, but why do you still have a guilty conscience? You have a guilty conscience because you still sin. And we don't say this to put anybody down, but we, we say it so as it's an awakening. Rise up and open your eyes and see the reality of truth and think about the covenants that you've made to God, even in moments like people do it in pain. Oh, God, if you just take this pain away, I'll... Or, or, you know, whatever it is, and then the pain subsides and you don't fulfill your end of the deal. Well, there may be a consequence in this life for that, but if you don't rectify that before you die, then the consequence is going to come in the end and you're not going to escape the flames. It's just an impossibility. And so when we look at this, it's really important. I mean, this is hugely important. And I know it's difficult because people have been told over and over and over, don't worry about the Old Testament. We live in the time of the New Testament. You know, people, you'll hear them call it Bible times. You know, well, that was back in Bible times. Friend, if Revelation hasn't finished yet and we're not in the kingdom yet, we're still in Bible times. Because Bible times is from beginning to the end because you don't use it as a linear perspective. Well, I got it. I accepted. And okay, now I don't have to do anything. No, no. It's a circular perspective that will keep you continually moving and growing and learning more and understanding more, understanding more about the covenant agreement. And every time something new comes that God brings to your attention, yeah, uh, I'm going to do that. Uh, I, I agree with it. You're God. You're telling me that this issue is going on. I'm not arguing with God about that. Uh, I'm going to face it. But the problem is, is if you haven't gone through the old covenant first, if you haven't, uh, uh, if you weren't striving to walk in absolute obedience to what that covenant said, even though you'll fail because you have the sin nature, God knows you're going to fail, but they don't care about the failing part. What they care about is what your mind says when you fail. No, I don't agree with that. I will never do that again. Even if you do it a thousand times, a thousand times, your response will be, no, I don't agree with it. I will never do that again. That's what a covenant agreement is because I made this agreement. It's, it's something you don't grow weary of. You don't get tired of it. You push forward and you push as hard as you can because part of that, part of you walking in the old covenant, in the covenant agreement with Yah, is for you to be able to prove to them that you mean what you say, that no matter what comes your way, 
even when sin, you know, as and I'll speak to myself as I was on this journey and I hadn't had circumcision of the heart yet, but I was moving in that direction. And I was, I mean, I was pouring my heart out to God and I was just crying out to God, you know, I, I, I don't want to do these things and I want you to take my life. I don't, I don't agree with them. I don't want these things. And then those, the sin got worse in my life. And I, I was pleading with God then, God, I, I don't understand. Why is it getting worse? I don't want to do these things. I don't agree with it. I don't understand why it's getting worse. Well, I didn't understand then, but I understand now because God was testing me to see, did I really have a mind of covenant agreement with his original law? Then when that was proven faithful, then God said, okay, now we're going to open you up to the new covenant, the new agreement, because, because you were steadfast in the old agreement. Now you get a yoke and a burden that's a lot lighter than that because we're not working from it from the physical part of the law. You're walk, working from it from the spiritual part. And there's not an aspect that you have to be perfect in it. It's an aspect that you have to be perfecting, which is a continual increase, a continual growth and continual movement away from that which you used to do and to that which you're going to. But it must be with a mindset of absolution of never giving up, never backing up, always going forward, even if you can't do it because you have the sin nature, your mind, your conscious mind says, I don't care. I'm still going to fight this. And if I have to fight it till the day I die, then I'm going to do it because I'm going to prove that I mean what I say. And there's a, unfortunately, there's a lot of times when people will say stuff that they don't really mean. Have you ever had a magazine subscription? Uh, well, years, many, many years ago. And you ever get that notice that has either a new subscription or a renewal? And I was like, what a beautiful concept because the new covenant, it's not a new agreement. It's a renewed agreement. It's a transformation of the original covenant to the from the letter in the old, which is the in the physical, to the spiritual, which is the eternal. And just very interesting. I was just I had this thought that you had mentioned that it comes to it comes as a covenant when you sign. Circumcise your hearts. All right, that's when you sign to your steadfast. You're going to walk in the old covenant. When you crucify yourself with Messiah, that's your blood signature where you sign and you give your very life like Messiah did because this is the renewed covenant in my blood. So that shows the full, that proves to God that you've killed yourself just like Messiah, not suicide, but sacrificing yourself like he did. Therefore, now we put the seal on the document of the everlasting covenant that remain in me and I'll remain in you and it'll be an everlasting covenant. And we're given pictures of this and you have the priesthood in the old, which is the priesthood of Aaron and now the priesthood of Melchizedek. So they're both priesthoods, but one is greater 
because Messiah's priesthood is an everlasting priesthood because the earthly priest would die, but this is a endless life. This is the eternal. So you, it's, you have to fully agree with where with in your mind first that you do everything that you can possibly do. And that's the old covenant. And I had these things come to mind as I was coming over to the podcast that it's an Exodus where they were talking about, um, yeah, I was speaking to Moses and he went back to the people and Moses told the people that, you know, the fear of the Lord is here to keep you from sinning. That's the point. And because he said, I'm going to meet the people on Mount Sinai and Abba said, be careful, don't come up on the mountain to come and see the Lord because you're going to perish. And it, it made it clear that Yah was being a terror to them because then he told the people that it's so that you can fear the Lord so that you will stop sinning. And that's the point is you, if you don't see God as a terror, then you won't stop sinning. And that's the point of it is the fault that Yah found with the people in the first covenant was the sin nature was there that no matter what they did, if they thought that they were being obedient the best they could, there was still fault because the sin nature was there. But Yah knew that because therefore I'm going to send my servant that you must listen to him and Messiah being his servant that he will bring into being the promise of the covenant with Abraham, which the covenant that Yah made with Abraham was this blessing, this promise will be to you and your seed. The seed is Messiah. So that is all the covenants are fulfilled in Messiah. So the covenant Yah made with Abraham is fulfilled in, in Yeshua. And I find it interesting that I had just several answers to questions in my mind were answered just thinking about this, that do you see why Messiah said to the woman that I came for the lost sheep of Israel? Because they broke the covenant. And I'm here to bring about reconciliation. I've been sent to the lost sheep of Israel because the covenant was with Israel. And then Lord, but even, but the point of Israel was to go out and take the truth of God out to the world so that people would be brought in as the aliens brought into this covenant. So it was their responsibility. And Messiah knew that, wow, great is your faith because I've been sent to reconcile those that would be of Israel and then the true Israel, which is everybody being reconciled to God and me. So faith is you're on the right track here, but I came to those people that, Hey, you're not, you got to understand that there's more to this covenant than just what Moses told you. There's spiritual things. It's a spiritual everlasting covenant. I've become, I've come to be the one that's going to reconcile and bring reconciliation to mankind. So you must believe in me. And it, it's just, you must go through the old covenant first because it walks you through. You've got to walk in repentance and obedience to Abba. And then when you prove and tested that you've circumcised your heart, then, okay, now I'll bring you to my son. Now we can get you to a point where you can just transform that commitment that you made to me over to an eternal covenant that continues forever. And, but what happens is, is as we talk to about the craftiness of the enemy is no, we're going to put aside the old covenant and you don't need the book of Hebrews because that's about the old. We'll just leave it as the new. And then what ultimately happens is, is that people are walking, not in the new covenant, but they're still in the old covenant. And if you're still in the old covenant, then that means that sin is still in your heart and therefore you can't enter the kingdom of God because you haven't found a place to transform your agreement to a place of no sin, where if there's no sin, then you can have an everlasting covenant with God, with Yah in Messiah, 
So therefore get to that place because that is the place of the Israel of God. The Israel of God is, is those that are in the new covenant with Yeshua, that those that had died that were in the old covenant, that Messiah went and visited them to where therefore they can now be brought in to the new covenant and be waiting for the allotted inheritance. But this is a huge thing because the teaching in the world that's not the truth of God just puts you in the new covenant automatically when you make a decision to follow Jesus, you follow Christ, that that you're in the new covenant now that the old is, you know, the old is gone. You know, you don't have any need for it. Well, I mean, it's just like a telephone, like the old rotary telephone, that that's obsolete. You can still use a telephone like that, but it's not the new, it's not the, what we have now that it's, that's, it's fading away. Now, when Messiah died, he didn't do away with the old covenant. He took the written code, was nailed to the cross. But if you're not in him and you haven't put yourself to death, the old covenant is still there that you must walk through the old covenant because you ever wonder why people say, well, you know, do I'm in Christianity and, and can I eat bacon and can I, do I have to walk in these laws? And why is there such a concern for that? If you didn't know that you had to, to walk in it, well, you must walk in it because how can your obedience to God be tested if you don't walk through that to where you're under that strict code that, Hey, don't do this. Don't do that. Well, that's to drive you to say, yeah, what do I have to do to get away from sin? Because I want to obey you. I don't want to sin anymore. How do I get away from this? Well, I have a way for you to get away from sin, but it's like you said, how can you be in the new covenant if you still have, if you still sin, because you're, if you do that, then you're not keeping the new covenant then you've already broken the new covenant or yet you're not even in it because if you're, if you're in the new covenant and then you sin, then it's over with. There is no more like coming back to repentance again. So, you know, be careful on that. But yeah, th this is a huge thing. And something interesting that I was, I told you on the gathering that I, I wasn't able to find the Hebrew words book. Well, I was looking and I, I looked down and I was like, there it is. It was at the bottom of the shelf. So I pulled it out and I had this on my mind. Get this now, the Hebrew meaning of covenant. The sign of my son. I don't know if you remember this, but in the Old Testament or in somewhere in the word, it says that Abraham was longing for my day and saw it afar off. And I thought, so, wow, if the, the not the necessarily the fullness of the meaning, but the meaning of it is the sign of the son that Abraham would know that there's a covenant, meaning that your son is coming because they would have understood the Hebrew. So it makes sense that, okay, well, I see that your son is going to come and I can understand that you have the ability to raise my son from the dead when I put him on the altar. And so they would know these things uh, because of the Hebrew being that picture language of that I'm giving you a sign of of my son, which what's the Old Testament about? Obedience. What's the New Testament about? Obedience. It's about my son. It's giving you the picture. It's about my son. It's about finding a place to be in him. It's about the spirit of my son, which is obedience. All right. Will you show that you have the spirit of my son because you're willing to obey me no matter how it affects you? Okay, well, then you're a good candidate to be married to my son because that's his heart as well. And yeah, th this could go in so many directions, but this is a huge thing for people to get a grasp of that 
that yes, there's stipulations, but you, when you agree to it, that you enter into covenant with Yah and make sure that you're doing everything that you can do in it. And when Yah sees that, then they will bring you to a place where you can be in an everlasting covenant with them. And look at the sign of the sun from the perspective of the new covenant. Now, it really carries the same uh, understanding that the sign of the sun is absolute obedience in your conscious mind. Even though you, like Abraham, had the sinful nature, and we we see, I mean, look at David, David and Bathsheba, and uh, Samson, and you know, the many different ones that, that still had sin in their life, but they were obedient to God, and that was the sign of the Son. Because the Son, I do everything the Father tells me to do, and he doesn't do it because he has to, he does it because he wants to. And those who lived under the Old Covenant, and this speaks to you if you haven't lived under it yet, is that you've got to find that place of obedience to God to show God that you're going to live it uh, the way that you're supposed to. And then the sign of the Son in the New Covenant is that those who claim to be in him must walk as he did. And we had said uh, in the last podcast when we were talking about the uh, enemy and the schemes and all that kind of stuff that uh, there's a way to test the spirits. And so you can test the spirits of uh, the uh, demons or the angels that are talking to you by using Messiah, you know, did Messiah come in the flesh? And they're the, uh, the, the enemy is the father of lies. And so between him and all the demons, they're going to lie to you. They can't tell you the truth. And that's why when you test the spirit that tells you something uh, in your mind, then you can test it that way. But don't test humankind by that. Well, anyone that says Messiah is Lord is from God, and anyone who who doesn't isn't. Well, what that's talking about is anyone who lives the life that Messiah lived, anyone who has the sign of Messiah that's living like he did, those are the ones that you know to listen to. Anybody else, if you look at their life, it doesn't matter what they're claiming. You know, I claim faith in God. It doesn't matter what you claim. If you don't walk as, as Messiah did, and Messiah walked sin free, then you cannot, you cannot be in faith and you cannot be saved in the kingdom. And that's that's just a fact of it. And unfortunately, with the cognitive dissonance, people are not going to see that. When we talk about a contract, generally we think that paper and pen is, well, before they had paper and pen, and even when they had, you know, where they were uh, writing with the, the ink and the feather on the parchments, and there were not, all of the contracts were not penned. They were what you call a verbal covenant, or what we would understand as a verbal agreement. And for a long, long time, in the courts in this country, 
I I don't know where it stands now. It's harder for verbal agreements because people will lie about what their agreement was. And, of course, that's what the whole purpose uh, in the Old Testament was about, you know, we, we're not going to look at an accusation against somebody unless it comes by the aspect of two or th- at least two or three witnesses. And then even back then, you had witnesses that would lie just to get somebody who was righteous in a, a bad spot. And so it's just really important to understand that, uh, especially with God, it's all about a verbal contract. And people have made verbal contracts with God that they are incapable of fulfilling because they don't have the true full faith in Messiah. And that's what they're going to be held to account when it comes to the day of judgment. Our hope is, is that on the day of, by the time the day of judgment comes, or by the time you pass from this life, you will have truly walked the old covenant, repented to Abba, and then been introduced to the new covenant to be able to uh, walk as Messiah did to be able to do the things that he did, to do greater things than what he did. And that's his words, not mine. And so you must walk as he did. But in order for you to walk as he did, you must go through the old covenant first. And you, because that's your proving ground that you believe God that, and when then, when you make the agreement, that's when you're, you, you're telling God, I believe in you. But if you believe in God, you will have no arguments about what God says. You will have no arguments or concerns about hell or anything else that in the human mind we can't understand. It doesn't matter. God is God. That means they're perfect. They know what they're doing. I don't need to w- worry about that. And I'm making my covenant with Yah that I believe in you completely and wholly. And so you have the verbal agreements that are made. And so a verbal agreement is just as much a contract. And in the world, you could make a verbal agreement, then you could lie and get away with it. But in God's, in, in the sight of God, they know every single uh, verbal commitment you made, whether it was to them or somebody else on the face of the earth that you either upheld or you didn't uphold, and then you made excuses as to why you didn't uphold them. And for any any that you did in the world and didn't uphold them, no big deal. But any commitment that you make to God, and this is why it's so important for people who claim faith in God, to really think about what they're saying when they say, I'm committed to Christ. I'm committed to God. Because that brings on a whole lot more than they understand, than they recognize, that they know. Because you can't know it until you know it. No matter how much, like I can tell people what it's like to have circumcision of the heart, but until you experience it, you have no idea what it's like. And so... It's really, uh, we have to look at the importance of the verbal contract because that's what's going to get you, because you're going to forget that you made a, a verbal contract. And just because you forget it, no, 
you're going to be held accountable for that. And so anybody who's made us their commitment to God, you better go back and evaluate because your commitment to God means that you've committed first to walk out the old covenant until you can get to the place where you can walk out the new covenant. And we're not saying that the old covenant is the end all and the old covenant will get you into the kingdom. No, we're not saying that at all. But without the old covenant, without the old Testament, without the agreement with God from the old Testament, you cannot, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God because you have to walk the old covenant to show, to prove your obedience. And in the process, just like Abraham, you will be credited with righteousness. Okay. And that means that Abraham was credited with righteousness, but he still had to pay that back. It was, okay, you're walking in obedience, and so we're forgiving your sin that you commit, but you still that, that, that debt still needs to be paid. That, that's what a credit is. It's on loan, like you said the last podcast. It's on loan. Until that debt is paid, you cannot enter into the kingdom. And so you have to, you better be on time with your payments, and if you can't make a payment, you make sure you contact God and you tell them that, you know, give them the, the perfect understanding of why you weren't able to do it. And the only answer in the old covenant is I, I have this sinful nature and I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I don't want it, but I, I don't know. I, I can't control that because I have the sinful nature. And God says, I, I know. That's why there's the forgiveness of sins before there's the remittance of sin. I remember when this came to mind that I had asked you, I said, yeah, allow me to present the tabernacle lesson when we were meeting earlier. And well, the tabernacle lesson is still ongoing because the tabernacle is eternal as well as it's physical. And I had this come to mind in regards to the old Testament, just absolute proof solid that you must walk through the old covenant first is because we have the earthly tabernacle. Look at the stages of the tabernacle. You come to the, the brazen altar where the animal is put to death, where the blood is spilled. All right. You have to be willing to sacrifice yourself in your mind that, I don't care what it takes. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be obedient to you. You got, I'm really, I'm no matter what I'm circumcising my heart. Well, when you do that, then you come to where you repent to Abba, where you have forgiveness of sins. You have the, the bronze laver where you have the water that, that you wash in. And it's interesting how the next part is covered, which is giving a representation of the next steps of this tabernacle where you go to the first part that's under the covering, which is representation of Yeshua, where you have the bread and the various things. You have the um, the lampstand, and it's all covered and hidden at that point. Well, as you go further, you've got the prayer of incense, and you've got the most holy place that's covered by a curtain. 
So it's giving you a picture of you must come to it in the physical first. And, and at that point, it was hidden. The way to the most holy place was hidden because Messiah hadn't come yet to show you the way into the spiritual part of it that's covered at that point. Because do you notice that what would Yah do? They would come down on the side of the tent is where they would come down. They wouldn't come down on the brazen altar or the the washing side. They would come in on that back part. And the Ark of the Covenant, which had the the mercy seat, which is giving you the most holy, which is mother, that actually you get to have mother come within your heart, but that curtain is there, that veil and circumcision of the heart, that's taken away to where now you have the fullness of it. That's why you can talk to Yah face to face because you have the altar of incense is right there before the mercy seat. Well, that's taken away where you have the fullness and Yah gives us a picture of this process that the people couldn't just come in to that holy place or most holy place. It was the high priest that would go into those places once a year. So Yah is giving us a picture that you've got to come to it first in the physical, in the old covenant to transform to where in my son, you'll be able to go to those places that are covered that are hidden at this time. And now the the veil is taken away where now you can see the spiritual side where you're in the fullness of it on that side, where you can come boldly before the throne of grace and humility and talk to God face to face because the, the way into the most holy has been taken away by Messiah. So Yah gives in their uh, parables, their teaching of the physical to see, just transform this from a physical to an eternal where it's always about life of sacrifice, be a living sacrifice unto God, giving spiritual sacrifices, walking in continued repentance, the the washing and eating on the showbread and, and going to the altar of incense. And you have the fullness of faith in you, that Ark of the Covenant, that you're in the fullness of Messiah. So all of this is given a picture of the covenant that Yah had intended, and they've made it clear through physical items, through spiritual items, so that mankind is without excuse. But if you don't go back to the Old Testament and study that and look at the tabernacle and see how Yah has laid this out, then you're not going to be able to understand because you've got to be like that priest walking in each step to get there. And you you do the work of the priest there, which is what Yah wants. And but you can't do that if, you know, you, you have to come into the courtyard. You know, you're on the outside of the courtyard, so you've got to come into the courtyard, and then you've got to go through these various things. So Yah is given all kinds of detail in this. And with Mother, you can spiritually understand these things and then apply that to the faith journey and then go back and, wow, look at this beautiful picture of we just talked about that I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Well, that you go into the, the tent there, that what's covered and you have bread there. Well, it's telling you that the word of God is there eat of the word of God and do the priestly work. And it's, this is just a fascinating, there's just so much detail when you're really looking for it in all of this, that Yah wants to have an agreement with people that he wants people to desire them and walk in their ways and walk in obedience because they want to have this relationship with people and it's open for everybody, but not everybody's going to find it. But if you seek them with all your heart, you could get into a place where you're in a covenant relationship with them that you you will have blessings, that everything in your life will be a blessing, no matter suffering and struggle is a blessing, that, that everything that you would have in the fullness of faith is a blessing now because you walk in obedience and there's blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. So 
those listening out there, don't discount the Old Testament just because you don't hear about it or people say, well, you need the new, the, the, if you're wanting to think about a place to start and where to go in the Bible, go to the Old Testament because this gives you details about finding God as a terror and seeing him as a terror so that you'll fear them so that you'll stop sinning and turn to them and repent to them and then find a place where you can walk with them and walk in full agreement with them and not sin anymore. That's the point of the work of Yeshua was to bring people into this new covenant where you can have an everlasting relationship with God without sin. And you can have that now. You don't have to wait for that until you get to the kingdom that it must be here that you can walk with Yah in the cool of the day. You can walk with them like it was in the beginning and have that relationship with them just like the son does, Yeshua does. And it, there's so much more to it than just making this decision and not based on truth, but just based on what somebody has told you. And one might say, well, I've never made a vow to, the, to God, which if you haven't, that's great. D don't do it unless you're sure you have, but everybody has. You know, even people that uh, claim that God doesn't exist or they're atheist or they're Gnostic, agnostic, and you ever heard somebody who doesn't have care about God say, I swear to God. Well, you just made a covenant and don't even realize it. But watch this, okay? If you've been married and divorced... You made and broke a covenant with God. Now, if you didn't have the avenue of till death do us part, and I haven't been to a wedding that's that's been conducted in a church that that wasn't part of what they were saying, part of the vows, and part of the ceremony is till death do us part. But yet, how many people have parted before death and the problem is is that even the people who haven't divorced have parted in their lives they're living a separate divorced life living under the same roof and why all right so i'm going to put you on the spot here sean i want you and this is just going to show that We've done this just as well as everybody else has. And what we've learned or we're learning is be very careful and think out whatever covenant you're going to make and make sure that you know it and you're going to hold it. So I want you to recite for me right now all the vows that you said to your wife when you first got married. Yeah, um, I honestly don't remember. Right. I, and that, I, that's true. <laughs> and I don't either. Okay. But. That's a problem. Right. I mean, but. I uh, See, we were married in 1991. And in 2014, we, this was after we had started this church, that we just, it just, we felt like we hadn't done it right for God. And so we had another ceremony 
And this came to mind earlier on when you were talking. And in the Hebrew uh, marriage situation, they have this thing that's called a ketubah. And the ketubah is a contract between the husband and the wife, or at that time it would be the the, uh, the betrothed and the fiance. <clears throat> but it's a it's a written agreement that the Hebrews would do, and it had both parts. It had this is what I'm committing to, and it's written down, and then this is what she's committing to, and this is something that like she came up with and he came up with, and then at the bottom, they both sign along with two witnesses so that you have a written aspect. It's not just you standing up in front of a priest, and well, I do... I do, till death do us part, sickness and health, you know, through everything. Well, you soon forget those when your selfishness takes over. And then you end up trying to part. Well, think about it. If you make a vow unto the Lord, surely they will demand it of you. And for anybody who has vowed till death do us part, why do you think that divorce is so difficult? Why do you think there's so much frustration and aggravation and agitation along with that person? But if they die, if one of them dies, then you're released from that marriage. You're not released from the responsibility that you divorced that person because God hates divorce and that's a, a whole other uh, matter. And if you know God hates divorce, even if you get divorced or got divorced, you will agree that that is that you shouldn't have done it. And if you haven't done it, then your mindset would be, no, I'm never going to get divorced. God doesn't like it. God doesn't, uh, they, they hate it. So I'm not doing that. Absolutely, I'm not going to do it. And so you have this ketubah that is a contract that both parties are expected to fulfill what they put on that ketubah. Well, in 2014, you know, prior to that, we had had that information come out in church. And in 2014, when we uh, did our ceremony, we both came up with our own aspect of the ketubah written down. And that contract is in a frame right at the top of our steps. When you walk in the house and you walk straight forward to it, it is right there. So when I want to remember what I vowed on that day in 2014, I can tell you, now I can't tell you exactly word for word, um, but I can tell you that I know that in that contract, I said, I'm going to love her like Boaz loved Ruth. And I'm going to take care of her and all these, all, all the things. And I, and I wrote it down and I can look at it. And if I don't fulfill that, I can be called out on it. You come in to my house and you see it and 
you see me do something and you can pull me aside and say, Hey, Hey, you see this up here on the Ketuba? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. Well, because that's the agreement I made. I wrote it down. I made that agreement and I signed it. That's why we have it displayed in our house so that when we see it, if we stop and read it again, it's just a good reminder of this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to treat my wife like a queen. I'm going to make sure that she's taken care of, that to the best of my ability, that there's nothing that she doesn't have that she needs, and even giving some wants when there's the possibility of doing that because uh, that's what a uh, submissive, cohesive unit of a marriage is supposed to look like. And unfortunately, we don't have that because people soon forget the words that came out of their mouth and they weren't written down. The first time when we got married in 1991, we didn't have all that stuff written. We might have had it written down so we could say it. And then when it was done, you throw the paper away and, you know, you just go live your life in a completely different aspect of it because you're still living in selfishness. And so the whole concept in the midst of a contract is I have learned and am learning to be very careful at what I commit myself to because I'm making a contact contractual agreement that if I make a contractual agreement with you, I need to view it as though I made a contractual agreement with God because I can't sit there and say, well, I just made it with Sean. And so I don't have to fulfill that. No, in everything you do, do it as a, you're doing it unto the Lord. And so I want to be careful with what contracts that I make and what verbal agreement, because you don't have to have a contract written for every job that's out there, but you have to have a contract. There has to be a verbal agreement for you. They have to say, yes, we like you. We like what, you, what this looks like. This is what you're supposed to do, or this is what we expect, and this is how much we'll pay. Well, I was looking for a little bit more than that. And could you go to this, this level? Okay. Well, we'll start you at the, the lower level. And if you prove to us within two or three weeks that we need to change it, then we'll make that change. And because it's all about an agreement, no matter where you are, when you work for somebody, whether it's written down or not, you have a verbal agreement and too many times you judge your agreement with somebody else's agreement. And the reality is, is that you can't do that because what agreement I make with somebody else is not your business. If I'm a business owner, I'm, I'm truly going to try to uh, make sure everybody is treated fairly. But if I choose to show somebody favor, that's not your business because I didn't promise you I was going to do that for you. And whatever agreement I made with you, as long as I fulfill that agreement, then 
I haven't breached anything in the contract and you have no reason to complain or whine. And we see it. Somebody's making, you know, $12 an hour and, and they've been working there for four years and somebody new comes in the door and they make eleven fifty an hour. Well, that's only 50 cents less than me. And I've been here four years and I deserve more. That's, you don't deserve it. That means if you think that you should be paid more, then you go into a negotiation. Hey, you know, I, I, I'm not, and, but don't bring up what somebody else's salary is. You say, look, this is what I've been doing. I've been doing it here for uh, four years at the same rate of pay, and uh, it's worth this much, and so I would like you to raise my pay to that much. Then if they agree to it, great. If they don't, then you have an option. Either you're going to continue with the original agreement that you had, or you're going to part ways and you're going to move on to another place that you'll make another agreement with. But there, there's always going to be contractual agreements, whether they're written or verbal. Now, you can verbally commit to somebody, but then you change your mind. Well, I never said I was going to. Well, again, with humankind, we don't have the ability to roll back the tape and bring it back up unless I recorded you. But with God, they've got everything. Every word that you've said, everything that you've done is recorded in the books. It's spoken of that there are the books. You have the, the, the books that are opened, and then you have the book of life. And so everything that you do and have done have been recorded, which is not a problem as long as one of those things you've done is repent to Yah and walk in their ways and have circumcision of the heart and walk without sin, then everything else that you've done means nothing, and you will be able to have the glory of entering into the kingdom of heaven because... You did what God asked you to do, and God didn't tell you you had to commit to it. You decided that you were going to commit to it, and that's why God is without excuse once again because God doesn't will never force anybody to do anything. It has to be by choice that they do it. Now, God knows people better than people know people. And if God wants somebody to do something, they know who you are. And they know if you're if this happens, you will do this. Or, well, this person, they wouldn't do that. Job, he's not going to curse my name, so I'm not going to I'm not going to put it. I'm not going to force Job to curse my name. But they know how because they know humankind, just like with Pharaoh, it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, God just used what he knew would tip the scale for Pharaoh for him to get harder and harder and harder. But then God also knew what was going to break him long enough for Israel to leave Egypt. And that was the death of his son. And so God, God knew that, all right, well, I'm going to do all these other things and he's going to be I uh, adamant about it, but he's going to be broken in spirit when 
I take his son from, you know, the firstborn son. And so just what I've learned is, or learning is being very careful and really thinking out. If I tell God I'm going to do something, I'm going to make sure that I do it. Absolutely. Because that's my vow to God. And that's how seriously I take it. And if I somehow it slipped my mind and I didn't do it, I would be on my face before Yah, just expressing that to them and letting them know. And as long as I do that in humility, then God will say, go ahead, get to your feet. We'll talk about this face to face. It's a, it's okay. I, you, you didn't realize it, but you still need to fulfill that now. Well, I was thinking about this from, we've been talking about our side, but think about it. The, I don't think we had maybe necessarily, we talked about it for like as a actual title of a podcast, but we've touched on hope and the true meaning of hope is about hope is about expectation of something that is sure and solid. And the things that we are to hope in are in the things of God, not in people or things in the world, but is to hope in Yah, because hope is about what is secure, what is known, what is sure to happen. And Yah will not say that they're going to do something and not fulfill it. And it just made me think of that. It it came to mind about in the Old Testament that actually there is a scripture in regards to talking about the renewed covenant. And if I remember right, it's in Jeremiah, and it says, this is the new covenant that I will make with the people on those days that I will write my laws in their minds and in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And no longer will people say, know the Lord for all shall know me to the least of them, to the greatest of them. I will have mercy on their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Well, you can, we can speak to this of circumcision of the heart that, because the sin nature has been taken out of the heart and it's placed in the body of flesh that we no longer dwell in the flesh, but in the spirit that Yah said their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. So you know that Yah is not going to sit there and keep bringing it up. And so if, if, you know, something comes up to where it keeps bringing it up or coming to your mind, it's not Yah doing it because no, all that's been moved out of the heart to where the the people don't sin anymore. So now you can walk in the fullness of it and have the relationship of walking in spirit and in truth. And what Yah says they're going to do, they will do it. So hope is an anchor for the soul, solid and sure that having the faith in Yah, the fullness of it, that it's an anchor, it's a hope that we know that Messiah is going to return because We know Yah is going to do what they say they're going to do. They're not going to forget. They're not going to put it off. They will do what they say, just like when Yah said that, I will no longer, I will not destroy the earth by flood. Well, we, so, so far they've kept that. They haven't destroyed the earth again by flood and whatever they say they're going to do. So that is the surety of this gospel message that Yah is entrusting us with is this is the message that you can come to a place where your hope of salvation is secure, 
without question, without doubt, because it's, Yah says that if you're in this new covenant, that you will have salvation. You have the hope of salvation that Messiah will return. So you don't need to sit there. Well, is God going to? Yes, Yah will, but you must fulfill your part of it in order to partake of what Yah is going to do. Not what you think you should do, but knowing how it lines up with the word of God that once you, because Yah through Messiah, Yah so loved the world that they gave their only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. If you believe in him, you won't perish. That's not going to change. So if you end up perishing, it's not Yah, it's you. You didn't find the place to be in him. You did something that wasn't lined up. So whatever Yah says they're going to do, if somebody doesn't get it, there is no blaming of God. There is no excuses. It's because you didn't fulfill your part because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Messiah, all the promises. So you have the blessings of, of Yah and Messiah. So, and I agree with what you're saying. Be very careful when you make a contract with anybody, especially Yah, because it would be better for you not to promise anything and just say, like, and I'll have this as people say, well, when are you going to call me tomorrow? And I've done this in the past. Well, I'll call you at four. And it's like, oh, I'm not going to. And But what I do now is I'll say, well, we'll plan on four. It could be a couple minutes after, but I'll do the best I can to call you at around that time. Like I don't say, if, if, but I have told people I will call you at this time. And when I do it, I write it down. I put it on the calendar. I have it right beside me to make sure when that thing hits four that I'll call them. And sometimes that they don't answer, but it's like, it doesn't matter if they don't answer because I'm the one that said that I would do it. You know, and and it is true that people think that they're entitled to something that they didn't agree to. And you can save yourself so much frustration and anguish if you would just find out what you agreed to and you do your part of the agreement. If you don't like the agreement, then you change the agreement. You just like anything, if you have, let's say, a one year contract. All right, well, I don't agree with this or not willing to change it. So I'm just going to go out my contract and I'll get another one and I'll renegotiate it or whatever. But the thing is with this is, we've said this before, Yah cannot be mocked. Don't blame God if you don't like something. What did you agree to? Oh, you know what? I did agree to that. Yep, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and know that you're fair. That's, you know, absolutely just because we have a parable of this in the Word, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And, you know, we have the, the person that hired the workers being Yah that, you know, some came in at the beginning of the day, some came in at the middle, some came in at the end, and they had the same wage. And the people that have been there longer complained against those that came in at the end. And why are you complaining? Is this not what you agree to? Do I not have the right to use my money the way I want to? You know, just be grateful that you're getting paid a wage. And so many times that can happen in faith where people complain, well, I don't understand where they could come to it. And then I've been here for so long and, you know, that's not fair, but no, but it always goes back to, and Yah's teaching us this, whatever you're entitled to, whatever the person that's giving out is willing to give. So if you accept something, you're only entitled to what you've agreed to. You're not entitled to more unless the, the entitlement rests in the hands of the giver, not the receiver. The world puts it as the receiver is entitled to whatever they want, but no. You know, if you want to work at a certain job, the entitlement rests with the company, the, the person that hired you. If you want more, 
then you've got to go to them and negotiate or change something and, you know, get away from complaining because of unfairness. Well, are you not being unjust because you're going against what you agreed to? Are you not being unfair because why are you pointing the finger at me for hiring you when you're the one that agreed to this? If you want to complain at anybody, complain, be mad at yourself for not thinking out what you're agreeing to. It's not my issue. You know, you want more then go to this other vineyard if you want more money. But if you work in this vineyard and ultimately what Yah is saying is, is if you want eternal life, the fullness of faith, that that's, that's the wage. So if I choose to do this, it's what I want to pay that you want to work in this vineyard. You must believe in my son. That's the wage. If you don't want it, go somewhere else, but don't get upset at me just because you think I'm not fair. And it just came to my mind that the person complaining is the one that can be in the position of being unjust because, wow, you know what? I really didn't understand what I agreed to. That's my fault. That's not the fault of the person that I agreed this to. I'm the one that agreed to it. I better evaluate what I agreed to because they're not being unfair. Now, if they came to me and did something that wasn't agreed to, I may say, Hey, I'm, you know, I have a question. Why is this going on? Because we didn't agree to this. But apart from that, this just speaks to faith that make sure that whatever you agree to that, you know, it's not on us in faith to complain against God because, and you said it beautifully that Yah does not force anybody to agree to do what the word says. They put it out there. Our desire is that you would obey us and walk in our ways, but you have to choose it. But once you choose it, or before you choose it, make sure you count the cost and you know that it's going to cost you your very life. Are you willing to do that? Okay. Well, then we'll walk together, but don't blame God when things don't go your way just because you didn't understand something. Well, and you don't, you, you can't blame God. You can try, but you, you can't blame God for it. And as you were talking, uh, it came to mind even Messiah himself spoke like the, uh, the, you know, he gave the parable of the workers in the vineyard, but he, when speaking to one of the disciples, approached it from the very same perspective. What is it to you if I want him to stay until I return? That, that's, you follow me. Right. Yeah, just, you follow me. That's not your business. You don't worry about what somebody else is doing. Don't worry about somebody else's faith. You follow me. And... Because if I want him to stay until I return, that's none of your business. The whole concept is, is, is the business you minded today your own and tomorrow and the next day? Because that's the whole concept of faith is truly mind your own business. Until somebody else makes it your business and until I, uh, or unless God makes it your business, you got enough stuff of your own to be thinking about and worrying about and fixing in yourself that you could leave everybody else alone and still not get everything fixed by the time you die. And that's a fact of it. And when we talk about the, the covenant, I, I, I'll just speak this out that in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 23, verse 21 is where it talks about making a vow to the Lord and uh, pretty much every version well, most of the versions of the Bible uh, are stated in uh, pretty much the same 
contextual perspective. You know, King James, the original King James is a little bit, you know, it's the, the King's English. and um, But it still says the same thing that if you if you make a vow to the Lord, don't be slow in paying it back because surely the Lord will uh, demand it of you. And if you don't, it is for you, it is sin. And so, well, it's sin if you make a vow to the Lord and you don't fulfill it. But unfortunately, we did it, and many, many people do it, where they they make a vow to the Lord, but then they don't fulfill it because they're not capable. And the reality is that if you don't have the covenant agreement with Abba first, whatever think you think you have faith in the Son of God, you don't. It's an impossibility. Until you have the covenant agreement with Abba first, can you then only move to the new covenant objective of Messiah? And unfortunately, you know, somewhere along the way, the message was was kicked off just the slightest little degree, and by now you see how far off the message is where, well, we don't need the Old Testament. It was just a whole bunch of stuff that nobody really understands. And you're not, when you're going through uh, the covenant with Abba, you're not going to understand it. You don't have the capability of understanding it. What you have the capability of doing is, like we've said before, is seeing it for what it's for. And you spoke about this just a little bit ago, that it's for seeing God as a terror, and then you coming to a point of decision, am I going to rebel against this terror or am I going to join this terror? So am I going to rebel and die? Or am I going to join and be able to live just like God told the Israelites when, uh, when the Babylonians take you over, don't fight against them. Just let them, you know, just go with them and then you'll be able to live in the land and you'll be able to be blessed uh, as long as you do that. Uh, so it, it's really important. But if you do not have the covenant with Yah, which is the whole concept of the Old Testament, is for you to be able to see who Abba is so that you will have the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. And without that, you think you have faith in the Son of God? You have faith in the son of Satan because Satan offers everything that God does. Well, why would there not be this Jesus that uh, is in the pretense of the son of God that's in the Bible that's being taught that allows you to be have faith in him, but yet you can still sin. You can still talk on your shows with foul mouths and you still wear the cross around your neck. And it's like, no, that's that's not the son of God. And you make vows to God and then follow that, you need to repent and and find that place with God before you die. Because if you don't, it's going to be a sad day for you. And, And I mean the day you die, because at that point, you will know. You will know where you are and what you deserve. And so as we look at it, it's just really important because like 
Messiah said, just like the work, the uh, owner of the vineyard, you, you don't tell me how to spend my money. If I want to give, if I want to give uh, your brother $600 and give you nothing, what's it to you? Now, we, we get this entitlement like we deserve something that somebody else gets. No. God says you don't deserve it. Once, Even once you have faith, you don't deserve it, but you still have to work through it. And, and that's the thing that gets lost. You have to do the works of the old covenant, which is find that place of seeing God as a terror, repent to God, have that covenant agreement with God that I agree with everything that you say is wrong to do, and I'm not going to do it to the absolute best of my ability. And you fight it tooth and nail, and you fight it till the day you die if you have to, and then you'll have faith in God. And then God will, uh, Abba will lead you to the Son, who will then teach you how to do the uh, obedience in the spirit of the law, and then when you've crucified yourself with Christ, then you get the circumcision of the heart and you get that reprieve in order to be able to move forward and advance and grow. I had one of those moments like you had a thought, but I'm sure it'll it'll come back. But I was just thinking about this that Oh, it, here it is. Here recently, it's about 20 years ago, we had the 9-11 where Osama bin Laden was the key that he's the terrorist group. And I just thought of this as an example of, it, it just came to mind, a example of if you, what would you do if you decided that you wanted to go against, for example, America, and you wanted to go to that side of it, you wanted to be a part of that terrorist organization well, what would you do? You would have to fear them first. And I just thought of that. Like if you, let's just say you went out in the desert and you went up to them and the guards would be there with guns pointing them at you and you would be like, your hands would be up and you would be in a terror and they'd be like, get on your face, you know, and, and you would get down and, and you would say, you know, please have mercy. I, uh, I'm i here because I, you know, you're, I want to be a part of this. And, and like, you know, they want to interrogate you and why do you want to be here? And you're just scared out of your mind. And they see that you just you're just there on the ground face down and it's like you know what do you want what are you doing here and then you say you know what i, I want to change i want to be a part of this um you know what i've been doing is wrong i want to be a part of this and because of that humility and you see them as a terror okay well get them up you know let, let's come in and talk but if you go in there and it's like hey look hey guys how you doing i want to be a part of this they would be like no you don't have any respect for us get away from me and it just made me think of yah that you come to them and realize who they are and you know, yes, sir, whatever you say, I would do it. You know, I'm, I'm completely trembling in fear here and okay. All right, get up. And it's just, it just, because there's no other way that they would allow you to be a friend of theirs unless you're a terror to them first, because you're the enemy. You're coming to me, then you better get on your knees and, and beg for your life because you don't deserve to be here and you deserve death for even coming over here. And you're like, please have mercy on me. I, I really want to know. I really want to learn. And you really see that. Okay. Well, and that's the thing because I want to be, I want to learn your ways. I want to, but, but if you come to them in a way that's not pleasing, then you're going to be put to death. Now you can't just rush at me. 
like I read in Exodus before coming over that, you know, don't rush up here because you're going to die coming in the presence of, of the Lord that come to me the way that I want you to come to me, that when you see me as a terror, you'll humble yourself and speak to me that way. You'll have reverence then. Okay. Now get up, you know, instead of just, I'm just going to bum rush in. No, no. Cause people think that they'll just have this conversation with Yah and I'll get to the kingdom and we'll just talk back and forth and we'll negotiate. And no, because if you don't walk through the old covenant and see God as a terror, you have no capability to have a conversation with them until you see him as a terror first, because you don't even realize who you're coming to. You, you think that I'm just a teddy bear sitting here and I'm a pushover. No, I'm, I'm the Holy one. I'm perfect. And you better be careful how you're coming at me. And that's the thing that stood out to me is I read that coming over was is that Moses told them that it's the fear of the Lord that will drive you to, to stop sinning. And that stuck with me because why would you stop sinning unless you saw God as a terror that you're going to be punished for sin, that you're going to end up in the abyss unless you see them as a terror, you will not turn from sin. Now you may have some sorriness or worldly sorrow, but to repent of your sin, you must see God as a terror first, because otherwise you would not repent to them. And they can see if it's pretend or not. They know if you don't come to them as a terror that you're not going to truly repent of your sin because you're not going to realize you don't you don't realize the power that we have that. But once you do and you make a decision that you're going to turn with everything. OK, now I can see that. And and that's just that one of the, the devil schemes is that they take away any kind of bringing up of the terror of God, because if we, if I can tweak and just take the terror part of God and just kind of put it to the side and just bring all the nice friend, then you're duped and you're going to believe in Jesus and stay away from getting to the true faith. And that's part of the enemy schemes that we're not unaware of. We're aware that the terror of God is going to be put to the side. Well, yeah, you have to fear God, but no, you don't understand that it has to be that way in order for you to even come to not Jesus, but the son of God. And that's just a little bit of that tweaking that just gets, you know, just kind of distorted that God's not really a terror. I mean, yeah, they were on Mount Sinai, but that's the old Testament when he came down, that's just that one time. So, you know, God is love now. And then just, you just keep people over there and then you're going to miss out, you know, you're going to miss out, but you, you must see God as a terror first in order to be brought to the son and then ultimately to mother to have the fullness of it. And look at the, I mean, all you have to do is read through the old Testament to see that the Israelites got consequence for them making vows to God and not fulfilling them. Just like you had brought up when God was speaking to Moses from Mount Sinai, they they were in fear and they were like we'll do everything you tell us to do just just you know we we just do it speak to us through moses and then why did they have to spend 40 years in the desert because that generation none of that generation were going to enter into the land except for uh joshua and caleb because of their faithfulness and those two being representations of Messiah and John the Baptist. But the uh, objective goal is they made a vow, but here's the difference. It's they didn't have godly sorrow. They had worldly sorrow, worldly sorrow in the midst of it. 
and continually committed sin and committed sin. And then, you know, there was a, another generation that rose, that rose up. And even for 40 years in the desert, they didn't change clothes. They still had their same uh, sandals on and they lasted 40 years. Uh, you, you show me a pair of shoes that you have that's going to last 40 years that, that today. No, why? And they wouldn't have lasted back then if y'all wasn't with them mm-hmm. in the desert. But the difference was, was they had worldly sorrow about, you know, oh my gosh, we're scared to death of this God, but we didn't show God the reverence that we said we're going to do everything that, that you tell us to do. And then when it comes down to Moses giving the commands, then they argue and they grumble and they uh, don't follow what they said. So they, if they hadn't committed to it, then they wouldn't be held responsible for it. But because they committed to it, God said, no, you, you, you did this. Now look at the wickedness that you have. And nobody from this generation is going to enter into the land. So it, until everybody from that generation had perished except for Joshua and Caleb, then they weren't going to go into the land. And even Moses was a part of that generation that didn't go into the land because he didn't stand up when it uh, for God when it came time that he should have stood up for God. And that just shows you the, the humanness of Moses along with uh, others in the Bible. But the reality in the midst of it is if you make a covenant to somebody on the earth, you, you should fulfill it. And a covenant is nothing different than a promise. You know, how many promises have you made to people? Well, I, if this, I promise I won't do it again. I promise. And then it, then you do it. I promise I won't do it again. I promise I won't do it again. If you break a promise, there should be a true heart of repentance, which is sorrow for you actually breaking your covenant. That, and Sean, I was, I, I told you I was going to come over to your house and help you with that, that job. And I just, I got caught up in things and it, I was wrong. I, I told you I was going to be there. I wasn't there. I should have been there instead of, well, all this stuff came up and you should understand that. N- no, because you didn't force me to make the promise to you that I was going to be there. So when you make a promise, you're making a vow to somebody. And the same thing with God is you promise God something. Have you fulfilled all the promises you've made God? You, you talk about you committed your life to Christ and all these things you're going to do. Are you really doing them? Are you living without sin? I'm, I'm going to leave this life of sin, but I still sin. But I'm going to profess that I don't sin, but I still sin. And so where do you draw the line? No, you're you're not going to enter in because you've broken the covenant. You've breached the contract. And that's the thing. That's why we have a term called a breach of contract. And if you are the party who breached the contract, then you're going to have a consequence 
for that aspect. And it's interesting because <clears throat> you hear people talk about prenuptial agreements and, you know, is it right? Is it wrong? You know, and well, in reality, everybody should have a prenuptial agreement. Now, whether it deals with finances or whatever, but I'm not saying that you have a prenuptial agreement that is in the case of divorce. No, because if you get married in the sight of God, then divorce in your mind should not ever be an option. But there should be nuptials. That's what the ketubah was all about, a prenuptial agreement, that this is what I promise I'm going to do and I'm going to fulfill it. Well, this is what I promise I'm going to do and I'm going to fulfill it. That was those uh, promises were made prior to the marriage, prior to the joining of the two as one flesh. And therefore, they made that covenant. It's up to them to fulfill that covenant, but that was the, the ketubah is a prenuptial agreement. The Bible is God's part of the prenuptial agreement. Then they leave it up to you when you make vows back to them of what you're going to do and how you're going to fulfill your side of the prenuptial agreement. But God, they've got it all laid out in the Bible. Everything you need to see what's necessary in that prenuptial agreement that everybody should have a prenuptial agreement. But that agreement should be, okay, well, this this is what I I believe, and it should be done in honesty, not in uh, you trying to please somebody else. And then when you do it that way, nobody has an excuse because you both agreed to it, and therefore divorce shouldn't they, they shouldn't be permitted to divorce. And of course, in God's eyes, they won't be permitted to divorce because the only mm-hmm. thing that can separate somebody who's had that I uh, that union in flesh is death. That is the only thing that can separate uh, man from wife in the in the midst of or wife from man. You know something, Phil, that's interesting is in that passage that I was looking through that it says that Moses came to the elders and he had talked to God and Yah said that, you know, if you fully obey me, you know, and, and keep my commands, then I will do this. And he came back to them and we don't have any account of them kind of like, you know, in fear and anything yelling or screaming. It was just, we agree, we will do all the things that Yah has said. And this just came to mind. What's interesting on that is like, that was their, um, the contract. But then, and what, what was interesting is what Yah did was after that, he brought out the 10 commandments. So I just see it as, okay, you're willing to, to come to an agreement with me. Now let me give you the terms of it. So he starts to give them the terms and then, all right, whatever it is, we'll do whatever. And it's like, all right, so you're, you're coming into covenant with me. Okay. So I'll surely demand it of you, but Yah didn't say, all right, you tell the Israelites, they must obey all my commands and they must come into covenant with me. No, it says, if you fully obey me, then I will. And then, okay. And it just makes sense because it's like, if you're going to an employer that, you know, you have kind of like that agreement in principle that, okay, yeah, I'll, yeah, I agree to that, you know, such and such. Okay, well, here's the responsibilities. 
okay, now, all right, here it is. So are you, are you accept it? And you accept it, then you go into covenant. And that's the thing is that Yahweh was being fair. He didn't force it upon them, but it, it was when they agreed to it, he came to them in terror. And, and, and Moses even said, he's coming to you so that you can, to fear them, so that you'll stop sinning, so that you'll walk in covenant. Get away from sin. Even back then, get away from sin. Even Moses is saying, so why would Yah say to, why would Moses tell him so that you'll you'll stop sinning, that, oh, it's okay to keep on and just ask for forgiveness and do it again. And you know, the last time somebody said that, so you will stop, that a stop sign means you stop. It isn't, well, you just keep rolling through every time. And no, because that's the, that's the foreshadowing. It was to fear God so that, no, Yah's a terror, and if I sin, that means terror and wrath is coming, so I want to escape the wrath. Okay, there's the obligation, but then it, it's supposed to transfer to, you know what, I'm not, it's not about punishment. I really agree with this, and I really want this to be my life now. That That's what I really desire. Okay, and then you're not even thinking about punishment from God. You're just thinking about pleasing them and doing what is right and and all these other things, and Yah cannot make it any more clear than what's already in their word. And that's the thing is it's up to each person to look into these things. But this is just a, I just see mothers giving this as a help that, you know, you think that you have faith because you've committed yourself in this, you know, whatever faith you claim, if it's Christianity or other religions or whatever, but you don't realize that it's that whatever that, I mean, cause think about this is people are coming into a covenant with the enemy that, all right, well, what happens is when you break that vow of sinning and doing all these other things and you decide that you're going to God, well, now the enemy is going to come after you and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're on my side. You know, where are you going away now? I'm no, there's going to be consequences now. And it's that the enemy would come after you because the enemy's not going to come after you if you're on his side. No, you're on, you're in my camp. I'm going to let you continue to be duped and, um, deceived and all these other things because you're allowing yourself to be deceived so i'm not going to attempt to to get rid of you or anything like that but th this just speaks to just another thing where yah makes it clear through the created things that they make covenant clear through your everyday life that well i'm, I'm not in a covenant with anything well you go to a job do you go to your job at the same time every day five days a week all right where well, you're in covenant because you've agreed to a principal on a contract and you can sit there and be upset with the job or, you know, all these other things, but you're the one that committed to it. The, the job did not force you to work there. You chose to work there, but then you complain about what the job is doing. And it's like, you're the one that agreed to work there. They're not pulling you off the street, forcing you to work at this particular job. But then we want to blame the employer because they're unfair. And because these other places are paying more, but you know what, if you want that pay, then go to that company and do whatever it takes to get trained to work there if that's what you want. But you're just hurting yourself by complaining because does it change anything for you? It just makes your life more miserable instead of just making that change if you want something else. Right. And I was just thinking about this. Even if you go to the grocery store, the gas station, anywhere, you fulfill a covenant. Just by going to the store and purchasing an item. Because what's the agreement? Well, I want this item. 
it costs, you know, like a soda, it costs $1.85. You put it up there, you're going to get charged $1.85 unless you have a coupon, you know, 20% off or 25 or whatever, and then it'll reduce it by that much. But that's a covenant agreement. Coupons, that it's a covenant agreement that you agree to uh, walk out of the store with this item provided you paid this much money for it. And it was, and, but it's up to you, you decide whether you're going to, the store doesn't force you to buy anything that they, they, but the, the agreement comes when you put it in your cart and you put it up on the, the, uh, the belt to be scanned. And once it's scanned or, you know, once you pay for it, then it's, it's completed. But, it's just so interesting because you can't get away from making uh, covenants and having contracts. It, it's an impossibility. You you go to school, you know, you take your kids and you enroll them in school. Okay, well, these are the stipulations that come along with the school, and this is the bus program, and this is the lunch program, and this, and you agree to that by sending your kids to that school. So you you can't avoid covenant agreements it's just what happens is is we make covenant agreements and then we forget about them and then we think well it's no big deal but what about the person if somebody makes a covenant agreement to you how do you feel when they break that agreement you know if you go into the store and they got a uh, ribeye steaks for Two ninety five because it's a manager's special, and you get up front, and they try to charge you full price for it. No, no, I'm not. No, the the price is, and they have to sell it to you for that price that 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 they put on it. And like I went into a thrift store and saw a pair of boots, and I was I was looking at them and been thinking about getting a pair of boots, and I was like. Yeah, let me, I look, I put it on and it was like, they were a little stretched, but, um, they would work. And, but I looked at the price in the thrift store and I'm thinking, no, I'm not spending that kind of money on a pair of boots. Now I, I can get a pair of boots for uh brand new for about $10 more, but why would I wear, buy a pair of worn out boots for mm-hmm. that, that much money? And so I just put them back on the shelf and turned around and walked out the door. No, no issue, no problem, no harm, no foul. Why? Because I didn't agree. I didn't vow I was going to buy them. I didn't agree. And because I didn't agree, I walked away. And that's the, the reality is that what I'm bringing this up for is that everything in life is there to show you the things of God and you can't get away from covenant agreement. You're either making a covenant agreement with God or you're going to make a covenant agreement with the enemy. Whether you recognize that because you can make a covenant agreement with the enemy in the pretense that you're making it with God because the enemy has deceived you into thinking that this, oh yeah, this is God. This is that soft voice. It's telling me to do this and it's all great and everything's good. And yeah, it's from God. And then you're going to find out that you made a covenant agreement because you were deceived 
because you didn't verify, you didn't make sure that it was right and true and fair and just before you made that agreement. And then once you make that agreement, this is why it's so hard and will be hard for people to leave Christianity because they've made this agreement and they've gotten online and they've professed it to their friends and their family and people that are out there and some people doing it, you know, teaching the message that Christianity teaches for 30, 40 years. What, what are they going to do if they, how are they going to be treated if they turn around and tell everybody last 30 years of what I've been teaching you is, is wrong. I've discovered that it's wrong. Well, at that point, everybody's going to look at you like, well, you're crazy and just go on about your business. Just, just go on. Don't, don't. And they're still going to believe what you taught them. Even if you tell them that don't believe it because it's been programmed into them. And that's unfortunately it's where it's going to make it hard for people who have been, I uh, tainted by faith circles and not just Christian, but any faith circle that you grew up in. And there are some people that have like, they've gotten out of like a Mormon church or Jehovah's witness church, or even Christian churches or Muslim or, um, Judaism or whatever. But you haven't really gotten away from it because you haven't gotten to the thing which is the true faith in God and having that true covenant agreement that when you say, I'm committing myself to God, that means everything that I am, everything that I have is all God's. If they want it, they can have it if they ask or if they, they want me to give it up to them. It's yours. That's why they say, are you willing to leave father or mother, husband or wife, son or daughter? Because is your life truly theirs that if your your wife chooses to leave, then are you going to stop following God just to appease her so that you can both burn in the abyss for eternity? Or are you going to make sure that you're safe and then work towards conversations with the other person to then help them along if they're, you know, if they want the help, then you can give them the help along the way. But to just, you know, it's like me, me taking a bullet for you, but we're both going to die anyway. What benefit? is it now if i can take a bullet for you and you're going to live and you, you because you don't have salvation and i want you to have salvation i already i'm already locked in to the faith in god then i can give my life for you and give you another opportunity to make that decision and make that choice for god and make that covenant and it's a fact that you will make covenants and already have, and people know that they've made covenants to God and don't fulfill them. They know it because it's one of the things that weighs on their minds when they're in the quiet place and the spirit reminds them of 
what about this? But then they make some excuse in order to justify self instead of being able to say, you know what? I was wrong. I mean, if I could go back and talk to all the kids that I spoke to and taking them to some of the camps that I took them to, I would tell them that back then, yes, some of what was being done was right, but most of it was wrong. And I was encouraging that. And therefore, I would want them to know that, hey, I was wrong. I don't care how many years I did it. I was still wrong. It doesn't make it uh, right, but it makes it difficult because you worry about what people are going to think about you. And with faith in God, I'm not worried about what people think about me. I'm worried about what God thinks about me. And when I say that, I'm not worried about it because as long as I uh, walk in faith in circumcision of the heart, there's nothing to worry about anyway. But that's why I want to make sure that I'm going to make sure that when I make a covenant or a vow to God, that I'm going to fulfill it and fulfill it to the best of my ability. Yeah, I had um, just several scriptures come to mind just thinking about covenant and just think about like if there's a company or something that you've never been a part of, like I could sit here and say, you know, this and that company, do you know that company? And you'd be like, no, I've never talked to him. I've never been a part of it. And it made me think of Yeshua where he says that many people on that day will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name and do all these things in your name? And he says, you know, get away. I never knew you. And it just made me think of the covenant. The point of the covenant is so that Yah knows you, that because of the relationship we have with them. And he said, because you practice lawlessness, well, the new covenant is about practicing righteousness. It's not about lawlessness. So you're, you're misinformed and he's not getting upset at those people. They're getting upset at him because, wait a minute, I thought we had an agreement. I thought that we had, I, I was hoping in this agreement and no, you didn't have an agreement with me. You thought you did, but you didn't. And just like anybody like in the world that no, I don't know you, you know, get away from the building. You're not a part of this. Like in the government, I'll no, you can't come in here. It's not a, not a personal thing. It's a, I don't know this person. You were never came to know me because if you knew me, then you would get away from sin. So you've neither seen me nor known me. So I don't know who you are. Right. Go yeah. to, go to the white house, go like, to the, go to the state department, go to the uh, CIA building in Langley, go to camp David, go to any of those places and just walk in. No, no, no. You have to have an agreement. And not only that, you have to be vetted. You, you will be, um, they will do a background check and that background check is done by the department of defense. And I know this cause I had a sec uh, security clearance at one point in time. And so you, you will be vetted. And if the government's going to do that, how much more God is going to vet you because you can't just, I promise you, you can't just walk anywhere you want in the state department. Or you can't walk into the grounds of the White House unless you have reason to be there. Uh, it's a little more loose with with the press, but that's that's neither here nor there. It's just really just a matter of you have to have that agreement to be 
in that government facility. So it's just that just kind of came to mind because having that uh, security clearance and then uh, understanding the agreement that goes with it. But even with having the clearance, okay, there's still this agreement that when you work in the the CIA building, when you've got to go to the bathroom, when you've got to go out of your workspace, you will have an escort who will take you and walk with you wherever you go and then walk you back to that workspace and then they'll back off while you're in the workspace, but you have to have somebody escorting you around. That's part of the agreement. You can't go in there and just say, no, I agreed to work here so I can go wherever I want. <laughs> no, you don't. No, 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 no. Well, I just thought of that. What a mother is our guide that mother will escort us around to where, all right, we're going to talk about this. We're going to get into this because no, that's not for you to know right now. You're yeah. You have, you have me, which I'm the access to everything, but I'm not going to show you everything because you really want to go down that hall and see this. Oh yeah. And okay. That, cause I know you had an experience that mother turned something on and she says, all right, I'm going to open up so you can look down there. And you're like, no, just, okay. So I'm not going to take you everywhere necessarily, but you, because mother is the highest clearance because once you have clearance from really all three, but she's your actual access to, to the father. So to get into the kingdom, you must have her as the, I don't know, whatever the Q clearance, whatever the top government clearance is. But just because you have the top clearance doesn't mean you see everything, you know, because, but you have access to it, meaning that, well, I could go there, but it's not necessary for me to go here right now. I can go everywhere. But what it just speaks to me of is there's freedom, but freedom means more responsibility. So be careful what you're, even though you know things, it doesn't mean that you bring them out and tell everybody all the secrets because it becomes more responsibility to not harm other people by telling secrets that shouldn't be told to them right now. Just hold off. They're only at this level. Keep that for later. Now you come into this position, then we can talk about it, but this isn't for you just to just throw it out in front of everybody. Don't throw your pearls before the swine. Just ignore it. But just another thing, just like the mafia, just like the government, Yaz is in everything to where you look at a government clearance system. How much background information, a background check does Abba do before you're not going to my son until I have a thorough background check and really see where your heart is and really what your desires are. And you're going to be tested and I'm going to look into your, what you've done and everything. And then I'm going to decide if you move on here and then I'm going to decide where you go from there. And so that's another great example of how Yah works is just like a government. You're not just running up to Yah and coming up to the CAA because you're going to die. Just slow down. You know, we'll, we'll have somebody else bring you up to the building that has clearance and then we can talk to each other. But, you know, even like with what you said, you're not running into the White House and I demand to talk to the father. No, no, that, that's not your place to do. You can request to talk and then, OK, we well, can come in and talk, but you're not rushing through the door. No, that's just not that's just being prideful. No. And you you, you better be careful how you carry yourself. Even if you have a clearance that because the guards at the gate, you, you get lippy and smart with them. No, you're not going in here. No, you're going to, you need to show respect all the way around. And it's interesting because, uh, ABBA really takes on the aspect of being the department of defense who does the background check that 
he's going to vet you to make sure that you're okay for his son before he's going to allow you to move on to the son. And then you're, the son and the father are going to, uh, the son's going to vet you even more before they let you into the precious inner room where mother is, where the spirit is. And so it's just a, a very similar concept of uh, things in the world that you can do. And it's, it's just important to recognize that in any of it, and I'll tell you the intricacy as what at to what they will look at is they'll look at every detail and um, they'll ask you questions. And sometimes people will lie because, well, did you ever do drugs? No, never did drugs. Well, they want to know if you're honest. And when I, when that question came to me, I was like, yeah, I, one time I did it when I was in high school. And at the time I was too drunk to notice an effect. And I thought it was a waste. So I never touched it again. Uh, unfortunately, I spent too much time drinking alcohol. I, uh, but the whole objective in the midst of it was that they vet you. And even to this degree, my name is Philip on my, for the longest part of my life, I always spelt my name with one L it's the way it was on my, uh, driver's license. It's what mom intended, but because my birth certificate had two L's on it, in order for me to get the clearance, I had to change my documentation so that my driver's license had two L's and not one. And so, God, if the government's going to vet you that, that like that, God's going to do it even that much more because that's much more of an important facility is the kingdom of God, where perfection is, than the kingdom of any government anywhere in this world is. Well, Phil, I think um, we've had a lot of good discussion. We'll wrap it up for this evening and just leave everybody that just make sure you're listening to this is that there's covenant everywhere and you just may not have seen it, but there's covenant agreements all over the place, but just make sure that you look into the word and seek after Yah with all your heart to make sure that before you leave this earth, that you are a part of the new covenant and Messiah, but which you must go through the old covenant first, because without being in the sun, there is no eternal life. And the only way to have the uh, relationship that Yah fully desires is to be with all three together, the having relationship with all three of Yah. So uh, just a reminder again, uh, if anybody is on Facebook, we have a Facebook page, Hidden Treasures Revealed. And we have an email, which is hidden treasures revealed at AOL.com, the good old AOL. And you have any questions, comments, you know, we very much would want to hear it. And, you know, at times we'll use questions and things for future podcasts. And we appreciate everybody, um, you know, mothers leading, guiding in this uh, process of us doing the podcast. And we also have a podcast on Saturday mornings at 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. And um, 
you know, we encourage anybody to tune into that as well. So um, as we wrap up this evening, um, just um, with any of these podcasts, just make sure that um, our message is from Yah, which is seek for them and you will find Yah when you seek with all your heart and you will find the hidden treasure of God when you fulfill the stipulations that Yah has put in place. So from me and Phil to everybody else, have a good evening and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure non-stop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.